Welcome to Unworldly Everything. You have now opened the door to higher worlds and unanswered questions. On the show, we seek the fringes of our mental limits and deep dive into all things superhuman, supernatural, and paranormal. We are your hosts, psychic medium Bonnie McCliss and my psychic daughter, Julia Gerber. Join us as we move through a journey of awakening this strange, mystical, spiritual revolution. Welcome to our first episode of Unworldly Everything. For this first episode, we are actually going to go back to the beginning when it comes to psychics, healers, and supernatural powers. I think one thing we can actually all agree on is that most humans, although intrigued, have a fear of the unknown. It's this perpetuating cycle of wanting to grow beyond being in the third dimensional self, but not knowing how far down the rabbit hole it's safe to go. I notice when people begin their spiritual journey, they are full of enthusiasm and wanting personal growth and answers to the universe. People are hooked when they begin to have psychic experiences and the metaphysical books begin to validate what they've been experiencing or touched by their whole life. These pieces and particles of information helps them to finally feel not so misunderstood and rejected. But just after the enthusiasm, you know, after the first bend of this journey, they begin to second guess their choices of thinking outside of the box and leaving the social norm. They don't expect the mounting odd feelings of isolation and fear to be a part of this previously magical experience. Some people collapse back into a deeper place of being shut down and others hold true to their convictions that there must be something more. But we can all say that we are constantly seeking to find out what lies in between the two hemispheres. If I've learned anything about accessing universal wisdom and supernatural abilities, it most definitely requires a prerequisite of faith and trust in yourself a higher power, and the willingness to stay with the unfolding course and persevere against your own internal and external odds. When I first moved to the heart of the Bible Belt from the West Coast, I was super excited for my new life in this sweet and loving little community. I began to spread the word about my intuitive work and desire to open a practice in the small town where I lived. I was quickly cautioned against doing this. Um, I was actually told by several people in the community that just a year or two earlier, the city ran the last psychic out of town. When I asked them you know, why they would do such a thing, they expressed uh, great concern around psychics being practicing witchcraft. And there was an ordinance still on this, the city books that there was 
no witchcraft allowed to be practiced in city limits. And so they took this psychic to court and it resulted in a win for the city and the, the psychic had to leave town. And so I came right on the heels of that. Being in a very complicated place, I learned really quickly that you know, this ability that I see as a gift and you know, such a beautiful and expansive experience is also full of fear for others. And I went ahead and opened my practice anyway in this downtown district. I was very fortunate to find you know, this loving therapist who believed in me and the world of psychic phenomenon. She actually said, you know, want to just use the word intuitive counseling instead of psychic medium. So that was probably some of the best advice I received, you know, up front. After all, you know, I was just trying to spread love and relieve people from suffering. I really wasn't trying to scare or bring fear into the lives of the community. People would come in to the office and quietly inquire about the intuitive that lives in the back room. <laughs> you know, it was just such a great experience to know the spectrum of people and their kind of fear and faith. This fear of evil in its many variations enters our mind when we step into the psychic rabbit hole. It may be actually the root of our fear when it comes to opening our personal psychic birthright. I thought we would take this question back in time and visit events, people, and places that might capture accountings of faith and fear. These moments in history that could express the strong collective resistance of psychic and telekinetic abilities, as well as individuals that have been reportedly able to access divine superhuman abilities with the intention of healing others. So just what is it about faith and fear being so commonly associated? Whether it be wrathful gods, moral-based taboos, or just being scared of the unknown. The most prominent cases of fear in ancient Christian history was that of dark magic and the threat of your soul being sent to hell. I love stories about radically talented mediums throughout history. Mediums that stand out even beyond their own class of obscurity and abilities. And one of my favorite stories or experiences that has been accounted back all the way to the biblical times would be the Witch of Endor, a perfect example of talent under fire and fear. There's actually many versions of this story, but the basic skeleton of it holds up against the test of time. The Witch of Endor is a woman originally noted in the Hebrew Bible, although her story was later redacted. And as the story goes, she and some others were cast out of the village by King Saul due to speculation of magic and witchcraft. When King Saul lost his trusted advisor and prophet Samuel, he turned to his dreams for answers from God. With little to no luck in his own capabilities, he ironically set out undercover to approach the mystics and the witches for help. Saul was told to find the Witch of Endor, the most capable medium of the time. When Saul first approached the witch for her help, he asked her to conjure the spirit of Samuel. The witch was heavily resistant and thought it was a trick to catch her, 
and bring her to her death. Saul pleaded with the woman and assured her safety. And as the story goes, the witch shrieked when she brought through the spirit of Samuel, and he foretold all of the casualties and the ultimate brutal demise of King Saul. And Saul fell to his knees in fear. The witch of Endor then gathered her resources and food and began to feed Saul and his present advisors. She helped them to find strength and clarity before they were sent back on their journey. I love this story um, because I know so many people have said to me, we're really uncomfortable with mediums because of what the Bible says. You know, it's against God. And there are stories and experiences strewn through the entire Bible about prophets and mediums and seers. And especially the Witch of Endor, she stands out for her human touch and her compassion. More than her abilities to speak with the dead, it was about her capacity to forgive and to serve in the face of fear. And what I can only imagine to be resentment for being shunned by her people and her leader. Some view the Witch of Endor as a conduit for evil because she struck fear into the hearts of men at a time of great vulnerability. I find this really interesting because there's a pattern throughout all of my research of witches and mediums, and even actually in my own career as a medium. Bringing through the truth and wisdom is only the smallest part of the process. The majority of the work is spent assuaging people's fear of the unknown, and ironically, the greater the accuracy and astonishment people experience from a medium, the greater the fear they can experience. The idea that fear of the unknown causes so much pain and suffering throughout history is especially common when talking about women who explore things of a more occult or spiritual nature. One of these earliest examples, after the Witch of Endor, can be found in the story of Joan of Arc. The young saint was said to receive visions from Archangel Michael, Saint Margaret, and Saint Catherine, who guided her to support Charles VII in saving France from England. Joan of Arc was one of my heroes as a child, a young girl who was strong and brave and guided by faith in what she believed in. But I always felt a sort of fury of injustice of how she met her end, Joan died on the 30th of May in 1431 at the age of 19 from being burned at the stake. Without getting into the intense politics that were going on at the time, Joan was without a doubt a woman with a strange gift that gave her a voice and forever marked her name in history, but was put to death after the charges of heresy, witchcraft, and violating divine law for dressing like a man. On top of that, she was not canonized until nearly five centuries later. Was Joan solely persecuted as a woman with abilities that no one else could understand? Or maybe was it a combination of the politics of the time, martyrdom, and classic misogyny? Perhaps we go forward a bit more in time to another incident. Between February of 1692 and May 1693 occurred a series of horrible events and unfair prosecutions. Witch hunts were by no means a new concept in history, but this particular one taking place in colonial Massachusetts is by far the most infamous. Whether or not there were actual acts of witchcraft back then isn't important, 
but the sheer panic and fear of the community and how they responded to the potential threat of the devil or other dark evil forces drove them to commit horrible acts of torture and murder of their own neighbors. The Salem Witch Trials is probably the most classic example of fear of the unknown. Of course, these people really did believe that their souls could be corrupted and corroded by the devil and his magic, and they really did think that they were purging evil from their small world. It is the stigma and the negative connotations of spiritual practices that led to the mass hysteria of these events. There are countless other cases similar to the ones of Salem witch hunts and the St. Joan of Arc, recurring tales of people, usually women, being persecuted for being the vessels of something strange and unconventional. For Joan, it was speaking out with ideas and visions of prophecies, and for the men and women in Salem, it was rumors and accusations of things they may not have committed. However, by today's standards, we are far from hanging people for witchcraft. The times have changed alongside how we perceive and deal with these sorts of supernatural claims. What of the more modern-day figures who have expressed similar bizarre abilities, hearing voices from beyond and visions of things to come? This brings me to some other amazing mediums, some of my personal favorites, the Fox Sisters. A lot of speculation around the Fox sisters for being frauds um, or fakes and duping the public. It's a really interesting uh, story. In the mid-1800s, the Fox sisters became pivotal to the radical spiritualist movement emerging. They were open about their abilities as mediums and their individual techniques for connecting with spirits and the otherworldly beings through audible astral tapping. In 1849, the Fox sisters were the first mediums to demonstrate connection with the other side in a public demonstration, this leading to their fame in holding public seances. After the rise of these sisters came history's inevitable fall of mediums. Newspapers and whispers began to call the sisters frauds and criminals. Some of the theories behind the audible disincarnated knocks was that the sisters could amplify the cracking of their toe joints and knees. Many tests were carried out on the sisters to disprove their otherworldly abilities. These girls created such a stir that a large Boston newspaper set up a prize of $500 to any medium that could demonstrate this paranormal ability to a team of investigators. The Fox sisters attempted this test and it was administered by three Harvard professors. They failed the test. The professors concluded that the loud popping that was originally seen as an astral phenomenon was nothing more than these two sisters cracking their joints and knees and toes. Defeated and broken, these mediums and sisters announced publicly that their abilities were just an elaborate hoax. Neither one of the Fox sisters could truly and adequately explain how they performed this hoax or duped the public or how they disillusioned hundreds of people. They just simply stated, you're right. We snapped our joints. After the confession, one Fox sister developed a terrible drinking addiction and the other returned to her roots in strict Catholicism. This brings us to another fascinating character, 
Arthur Conan Doyle, the author and creator of the Sherlock Holmes series. What most people don't know about Doyle is that he was deeply invested in the spiritualist movement and wrote several books on the subject. He often attended seances while lobbying for their truth being part of our evolutionary advancement. Doyle was even quoted saying, Spiritualism is a new revelation sent by God to bring solace to the bereaved. Arthur also brought experiential knowledge of ectoplasm to his followers. If you're not familiar with the idea of ectoplasm, it is known as an ether-like plasticky substance that appears around a special type of medium called a physical medium. Or maybe now, in modern day, we refer to these people as channels. As mediums would be channeling, this substance would form around them, often reported to take shape and mannerisms of the deceased. Doyle once even said, I have held the ectoplasm between my fingers, and it seems to be alive, vitalized. It must not be confused with spirits, for they are only using it. Spiritualism was Arthur Conan's life. There are many great mediums, many great psychical researchers, investigators of all sorts. All that I can do is to be a gramophone on the subject, to go about, to meet people face to face, to try and make them understand that this thing is not the foolish thing which is so often represented, but that it really is a great philosophy and, as I think, the basis of all religious improvement in the future of the human race. But one of the most interesting things about him is what he achieved in his afterlife. A week after his death on July 7, 1930, a massive seance was held in his honor at the Royal Albert Hall in London, where Doyle's voice was projected and heard speaking from beyond the grave. No. The great divine help each quality and also take care of my boy and my job wife too. God help our movement forward. Let your watchman be honored and forward is the wish of Arthur Conan And this brings me to my all-time hero, Miss Madame Levonsky. She was the mother of the spiritual movement. I've done a lot of reading about this special woman, and it goes without saying all of the trials and tribulations that she encountered coming from a really dynamic family. Her mother was also a well-to-do writer. Father was in politics and held a prestigious place in the military. So by all accounts, she was expected to perform and to be, you know, an outstanding citizen. So she went on to live quite an interesting life and was the creator of the renowned spiritualist organization and movement called the Theosophical Society. 
This was a practice of obtaining information from astral teachers and guides, resurrecting teachings from the Mahayana Buddhist mystery schools. This woman is my favorite, mostly because she was a cyclone of spirituality. Back in the time where women did not travel by herself, Helena Blavatsky managed to weave her way to the East and be one of the very first women, if not the first woman, to study with some of these ancient Buddhist teachings. Blavatsky managed to weave esoteric Eastern knowledge into our Western culture. I think personally, the pattern that I've witnessed over history and time and these different little moments and excerpts of people in their lives as mediums or spiritual shakers and movers is that society at large will come to a point where they're stuck and they begin to pray for help and an evolution. And God or higher power answers their prayers and people with special abilities incarnate They grow up in the tribe, in the community, and they are there as the healers and the seers. The very prayer that was asked for sometimes can be feared. These are the people that are not like the others. They stand out. And for that, they are feared and persecuted. So to me, it's this endless cycle of people that come to heal the masses and then are feared for doing so. This is why a very exciting time on our planet we're finding less and less of these closed minds, finally willing to break this ancient pattern of fear instead of faith. Fear is a powerful thing. Fearing things that you don't understand and have been taught to avoid at all costs or suffer the consequences makes it so much more intense. It is a basic instinct to want to avoid the unknown. A fight or flight for survival to deal with the situations you don't know how to handle. However, we hope to help you learn a little bit more, bit by bit, about this strange world of the supernatural and the metaphysical. Thank you for listening to Unworldly Everything.